We're going to study tonight a tshuva, several tshuvas, but uh, primarily a tshuva of the Rashba. Rashba is someone who needs no introduction, Rabbi Shlomo Ibn Adaret, one of the greatest of the Rishonim, one of the greatest poskim in Aramasara, great uh, Svardik posik and parshan of the Gemara from the 13th and early 14th century. He has a tshuva, which is a small and uh, unassuming little tshuva, which is actually, although the issue at stake is not a matter of life and death, and it's not, uh, doesn't touch the, the core of Jewish theology or the three cardinal sins, but nevertheless, this tshuva has an enormous impact, an enormous influence, and it's not an exaggeration to say that the effects of the tshuva, or at the very least, practices in accordance with the tshuva, we notice them pretty much every single day, several times a day. The tshuva deals with the, someone who gives tzedakah, whether it's appropriate to publicize and uh, memorialize, to, uh, to, 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 you know, to, to make it known and to make it permanently known, to leave some kind of memorial to his tzedakah. The Rashba's case was as follows. The actual case was a little bit, uh, a little bit arcane, it's a little bit obscure, but the, 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 basic, the basic question he discusses is this question, when someone gives tzedakah, is it appropriate to trumpet it and announce it and put a plaque on the wall and so on, or not. The case was as follows. Ruvain Ruvain had a, a house, a residence, near the Heichal Besaknesis. It's not entirely clear what the, what the Heichal means exactly. It sounds like the Heichal may mean the Aron Kodesh in this context, but he had a house, we'll assume, on, on the east side of the Basic Nessus, near the Basic Nessus. Ubana Osabinianna, he built it up into a nice, into a, uh, into a beautiful, attractive edifice. Verotzola Arevosu and Basic Nessus. He then wanted to co-join it, to combine it with the Basic Nessus, Hilaharka Basic Nessus, by attaching, by, by, by combining the two buildings, he would, he would make the, the shul larger. It would be an expansion for the shul. So, the Ikfo the community was not interested initially, at least, in his, uh, in his initial plan, whatever it was. Because there would be seats that would be less chashuv, that would be less valuable after this expansion. It's not clear exactly what this means. The Nod Yehuda has a, a long, uh, as an entire tshuva explaining largely what this Rashba means by this, that, that the seats would go down in value. Uh, first of all, we see from other tshuvas as well in the rush, they took this notion of seats very seriously. It wasn't just a question of where I like to sit, near the door, far from the door, and uh, near my friends. Seats back then were, were a major signifier, apparently, of social status, of communal status. Certain seats were considered the, the elite seats, the prestigious seats. Certain seats less so. I don't think the, the better seats were about the ability to hear the chazan better. I think it had more to do with kavod on the Mizrach. Or, and seats also were considered a, uh, when you purchase a seat, it was more of a financial transaction. You actually own the rights to your seat. There are all kinds of tshuvas in Chosh and Mishpat, but arguments between different people about the rights to seats. You could sell them. You know, you sell them on the secondary market, not just buy it from the shul. People would sell seats to each other. You would pass them along to your heirs that the seats were considered a sort of property right in the shul, the right to sit in a certain spot. And in cases where a seat would go down in value, maybe we'll discuss some of these seat shuvas another time, 
people would have uh, would have real claims, would, would have real would have, would have real uh, real causes of action against the, the people who were taking action that would result in their seats going down in value. So somehow, because of this expansion, people were upset. They said that their seats would go down in value. The way the Nadehud explains the case, the issue was that the, the Mizrach wall, the, the front wall with Aron Kodesh's, was considered the most prestigious location in the shul. And this guy's house was what he, he suggests was narrower than the, 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 than the east side of the shul. If the east side of the shul from north to south was, let's say, 100 feet, all, all told, so his house was only 50 feet. So if he would add on his house to the, to, to the east side of the shul, the new Mizrach wall, which would be on the sides of the Aron Kodesh, would be smaller. And if people sat on the old Mizrach wall where they used to sit, that was less hush because it wasn't in the front anymore. So, so to move everyone up to the new Mizrach wall, there simply wasn't enough room. And, and people who would be left on the old Mizrach wall would now be less prestigious their seats because the seats would be farther from the Aron Kodesh. That was the issue. Okay, but uh, whatever it is, people objected to his initial plan. So he had a new plan. He said, They would, uh, they, they would, they would build it in a different way to make the entire bias into a new heichel and apparently expand it and, and, and possibly expand the shul around it. They, they had an alternate plan of construction which was, which, was, which was suitable in the eyes of the shul to build it in such a way that there, there would be no losers. Everyone would, uh, everyone would be happy. He, he agreed to their counter-proposal. He agreed to build the shul the way they wanted it to, to make this expansion on his own expense. He, he paid for it. He, he built this whole thing in such a way that everyone was happy, all at his own expense. And now, and this is the part of the, this is the question that concerns us, that this whole story is interesting, but the, the real point is the last line of the tshuva, last line of the she'ela, ruvein Ruvain, who dedicated this entire thing at apparently significant expense, he wanted to write on the on the entrance to the Hechel, Shmo, his own name. Laman Haskir Shmo He wanted to put his name on uh, on the on the, the the thing he dedicated. So that was that was his request. The Some people objected. You cannot put your name on it. Do they have the right to object or not? He wants his name there. They do not want to put his name. Some of them don't want to put his name. Of course, as is as always in Choshen Mishpat, the lesson is the standard lesson. Always discuss in advance what your expectations are. That you know, 90% of questions in Choshen Mishpat could be avoided if the parties would clearly stipulate up front uh, what they expect and, and make sure they agree, make sure they're on the same page. Apparently they didn't. He, he spent this apparently substan- presumably substantial sum of money expanding the shul and now he wanted his name on it, and they said no. Some people said no. What's the halacha? That was the question they asked to the Rashba. Tshuva, any roish yuchlo tiber la'akim minadin, v'lomana roi mikamat The tiber has no right to object minadin, and it's not even appropriate for them to object. Mikamat There are many reasons why he thinks the donor is in the right, and the, and the community should not be objecting to his request. Ki amaktish v'abonim shamayim, Someone who dedicates something, consecrates something, he builds something for the, for the community, for a religious purpose, Mishalo, at his own expense, L'Shemayim, for the sake of heaven, for, the, for, the, for, the, for spiritual benefit. Who, who's going to object him putting his name on it and what he dedicated? No man has the right to, has the right to object to what somebody does on his own, 
on his own property. So it's, it's an interesting argument. It's not really his own property anymore. He dedicated it to the shul. But somehow, it's his dedication, it's his wing, it's the, it's the extension that he dedicated. So it was pushed to the Rashba as a matter of right, as a matter of property. He should have the right to put his name on it. V'od, this is a common practice. This is, uh, this is very common in, in our area as well. The Rashba lives in Barcelona, but in our area as well. People do this. When people dedicate things, they write their name. Their name is written on the wall of the, on the, wall of the shul. Not only is this a custom, he says, not only is this uh, logical in terms of property rights, Zumidas umidas vasikin. This is the, the custom of Chachamim, and the custom of the upright, of the, 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 the this is a correct and, and uh, proper custom. Why? It's a kind of reward. It's a reward to those who do mitzvahs. And this is also the way of the Torah. It is the way of the Torah to give credit where credit is due, to publicize, to announce those who do mitzvahs. He'll give examples of the Torah in a moment. But he says, If that's what the Torah does, We have to follow the ways of the Torah as well. The ways of the Torah are the ways of peace, the, way, the, the ways of pleasantness, and we have to do the same thing. If, it, if that's what the Torah says, that, that's what the Torah does, that's what we should do as well. Where do we find the Torah does this? So he brings a handful of examples from Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Peh, from the written Torah, from the oral Torah. He begins, He nebatzalas Yosef. The, the saving of Yosef from the brothers' designs, their machinations to murder him. Hetzila Reuven miyad, miyad, miyad echav. Reuven saved him, as the Torah testifies, as the Torah, as the Torah records from his brothers. Kosev lava kosev by Yishma Reuven by Etzeleim miyadim. The Torah says that Reuven saved him. V'chein b'boaz. In Megillus Rus, Boaz, it says, Shaviter, Pas, V'chom, Etzachtivu HaKosev. He gave Rus and Naomi some bread, some vinegar, and the Torah makes sure to record that, his good deed. The Midrash on Midrash Rus emphasizes this. He measured out some, some parched grain, some roasted grain for Rus. It wasn't even a whole lot necessarily. But Amr Rabbi Yitzchak Parmerion, if a person does a mitzvah, he should do it b'leiv shalom. Yasena b'leiv shalom. And this part of the midrash, I think, is well known. Had Ruvain realized that his good deed would be immortalized by being recorded in the Torah, and we'd be studying it thousands of years later, that uh, that everyone knows what Ruvain did. Had he realized how much credit and how much uh, how much how much uh, how his good deed would echo through the generations. He would have done it in a much more thorough and uh, thoroughgoing way. He would have carried him on his shoulders back to his father instead of just getting him out of the giving giving advice to the brothers, recommending taking him out of the pit. He would have gone all the way had he realized how much credit he was going to get for doing the mitzvah. He would have done it twentyfold uh, over and carried him to his father on his shoulders. Another example the midrash gives: it says in the end of Parshas Shmos, Hashem is instructing Moshe to go back to Mitzrayim and take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. So it says Moshe had various objections, various concerns. One of them was that Aaron would be jealous, that Aaron would be, would be hurt, that, that, that God was skipping over him, 
and, uh, and, and appointing his younger brother. Hashem said, no, Aaron is, uh, has, has generosity of spirit. Aaron will be happy for you. Aaron will, uh, Ar- Ar- Aaron will not be upset. On the contrary, he'll rejoice in your good fortune at being appointed the leader of the Jews. So Aaron's generosity of spirit is recorded in the, in the Torah. That Aaron will come, Hashem said, Aaron will come out and meet you, and he'll be happy. He'll have internal joy. Had Aaron known that his good midos would be recorded in the Torah for future generations, he would have had a march, he would have had a band, he would have had music, he would have come out serenading Moshe. Again, what he did was great, what he did was uh, unselfish, and he had joy in his heart. Had he known it would be written down, he would have done it tenfold. He would have had uh, musical instruments, besupim, drums or tambourines, mecholos, dances. He would have come out, uh, put on, pull out all the steps. And again, had, had Boaz known the Torah would write about this, this minor tzedakah he did for Rus and her mother-in-law, he wouldn't have just given her a little grain, he would have given her, he would have given them fatted calves, the, 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 most, the, most, uh, the most noble delicacies. The Midrash goes on, Rabbi Cohen, Rabbi Yoshua, the Sichnin, B'Shem Rabbi Levi, the Sha'avar HaYadimos and Mitzvah, Banavi HaYakosva, it used to be, in the time of Nevi'im, a person would do a mitzvah, the Navi would record it, the Navi would write it down. Achshav Mikosva, who writes, and now we don't have Nevi'im anymore, who writes, people, who records people's mitzvahs today? Elio Kosva, Melech HaMashiach, Vakosh Baruch Don't worry, it's being recorded. Elio is writing it somewhere in heaven, presumably. Melech HaMashiach and Vakosh Baruch you have to have two witnesses in the star. So, the King Messiah and Vakosh Baruch Hu signed their names to it. Hadahu Dechsev. Oz Nidbru Yirei Hashem Ishl Reyehu Vayakshev Hashem Vayishma Vayichasev B'Sefer Zikaron Lefanav. A person's mitzvahs are recorded in the Sefer Zikaron. There's a book of uh, there, there, there's an there's an accounting book, a book, a, a, his, a historical book that lists all people's mitzvahs in the before Hashem Liyirei Hashem Lachosh Veishmo. Everything is recorded. Don't worry. Every mitzvah you do is recorded somewhere. Uperikish Nochlin Gmarim Bavabaster Amru Biosi Ben Yoazer Kishehikdish Elisa the Dinri. So there was a Chacham, Yossi ben Yoezer, he donated, a, uh, he, he donated an, an, an attic, a, a, room full of, uh, a room full of dinarim, a fortune of money. However, his son once sold a precious jewel to the Mikdash, and the price was Bishlosh Israelis Dinri. It cost an, a, a fortune, 13, 13 attics of, uh, of, uh, of, 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 of coins. V'nasnuag Gizbarim Shiva. Hektish paid seven. Hektish shishanasarim, and he wrote off. He told Hektish, you know, okay, I'll give it to you for seven. It's worth thirteen. I'll take seven, and I'll uh, and I'll, I'll let you keep the other six. So v'amrusham, and the gemara and the, the, the gemara says there because they wrote this down. They recorded these uh, these uh, stupendous acts of munificence. They wrote Yosi ben Yoazer Hektish achas. His son, uh, the father, Yosef ben Yoazer, he was Makdish, one Elisa de Dinri, Ubano Hiktishesh, and his son, sixfold. His son was Makdish, six Elisa de Dinri. For his father, it was out of pocket. For the son, it was just foregoing payment. But the point was, he gave to Hiktish six times what his father gave. And this was all recorded. They recorded the donors. They had a list of donors. Yosef ben Yoazer is on the donor list for uh, gold tier, and his son was platinum or diamond or whatever it is. He gave uh, six times as much. Mikana Talamed, the Rashford concludes his tshuva. He says, from here we see, from here we learn. It says they wrote these things down. So we see there was a custom to record the names of donors. Eight people should be remembered for, for doing good, for doing mitzvahs, for of talk, delas, laose mitzvahs. 
and to encourage the performance of mitzvahs. The, the phrase Leftoach Delos is an interesting phrase. It's the it's the antonym of the common phrase we find in Chazal, uh, Shlotinol Delos, that we're afraid. In various cases, Chazal said that they made takanas, that they made, there were di- different types of enactments they made to avoid ni'ilas delas, to avoid the door shutting. To, to, in other words, to avoid people being discouraged or disincentivized from doing the right thing. Like it says, a, a lender, if, if, if we make the, the collections of debts, to, to, if we make the procedure of collecting in court too onerous, then there'll be ni'ilas delas, shlotinol delas. The lenders will, will stop being interested, will, won't be interested in lending. They're going to say, I don't want to go through the hassle, the tremendous hassle of... Uh, Collecting a debt in court, so with Shlotin Delas, they relax some of the rules of the of, of civil procedure. So, in, in general, we find the phrase Shlotin Delas is a is a rationale Chazal often gave for making certain takanos, for enacting certain rules motivated by pragmatism to avoid discouraging people doing the right thing. And the Rashba uses the the antonym of the phrase Leftach Delas. We want to encourage doing mitzvahs. So by, by rewarding people, by having their names publicized, everyone likes kavod and glory and respect, by, have, by allowing people to, to have their names uh, on the, their dedications to be recorded as the Osei Mitzvah, this will encourage others to donate in the future. So the Rashba is giving a couple of related reasons for why he thinks it's appropriate to record the names of donors. He says, well, first of all, he said it's a property right. If you donate it, it's just inherently fair and, and right that you should have the right to put your name on it. And also he says, it's the A, to give schar to Osei Mitzvah. We want to reward people. We want to give people a zikar and tov. And also, we want to encourage it. We want to incentivize We want to incentivize people donating in the future. So because of these reasons, the Rashba says, it is entirely appropriate to record those who do mitzvahs. It's, it, was the, it was the minhag of the Torah in Torah Shabbat It was the minhag in the time of Chazal. Hektish would record its donors. This was always the minhag. It's logical. It's fair. It's, uh, it, it, it is, uh, it, in terms of ethics, it's the right thing to do. And therefore, the Rashba says that Sibur, who he doesn't say why the Sibur objected to have the donor putting his name on it, but he, he donated, he built at his own expense this expansion to the shul. He deserves to have his name on it. It's the right thing to do as a matter of communal policy. And therefore, the Rashba sides with the donor that he deserves and is entitled to have his name on his donation. And, and this is the basis for the, I mean, again, the Rashba testifies it was the minute before this tshuva, but this tshuva is the most important, the most venerable halachic source for the idea that it's appropriate to recognize donors. All the memorial plaques we have in shuls and Yisker books and, the, and all kinds of, uh, you know, the, the stones and outside the mikvah, and all, all these things we do and plaques and dedications and all, all these things, the, the Rashba is the, in terms of a halakhic source, the Rashba is the primary source for this. The Rashba says it's the right thing to do, it's a good thing to do, it's, uh, it, 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 it's good to encourage future donors, it's, it's, it's the right to the donor, and he deserves to be rewarded for his mitzvah. And the Rashba is the source for all these dedications that we see. The Rashba is brought in Shulchan Aruch by the Ramah. The Ramah writes in Elcha Siddhaka, the Ramah writes, the Ramah has two rulings back to back which are a little bit difficult to reconcile. First, the Ramah writes, it, 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 almost in one breath, he seems to contradict himself. First, the Rashba writes, a, a person should give tzedakah, he says, uh, he says, I'll call upon him lo yispayr ha'adam b'tzedakah shenosein. A person should not, um, should not uh, brag or glory in the tzedakah that he gives. The yispayr, if he does so, if he, if, if he adopts a, a boastful and self, self, self-aggrandizing posture, 
not only will he not be rewarded, will he not, not only will he not receive reward for the tzedakah that he gave, he'll be punished for it. So, so, so self-aggrandizing your tzedakah, the Rashba brings, the, the Ramah brings, is wrong. However, then he brings the Rashba. He says, Someone who does dedicate something for tzedakah, it is permitted for him to write his name on it, not only is it mutter to memorialize his donation, the roi lasses cane, it's appropriate, and the source of that is the Chuvas Arashba. So it's a little strange, it's a little difficult to recognize to reconcile these two back-to-back statements of the Ramah. First he says you should not be misfire. Then he's certainly if someone dedicates a wing in a shul and he writes this uh, and the shul writes this generous uh, expansion of the shul was made possible by a uh, generous grant from the so-and-so family, uh, that, that seems to be misfire. How is that different? So what, what is not okay, what is okay? Various 20th century, 21st century writers have tried to explain what the difference is exactly, what, what, what exactly is the, what exactly is the, the difference. Ramosha Sternbach and Shuvas van Hagos and a Chuva on this general topic suggests that it depends whether it's, uh, whether it's a context where it'll encourage future donations. He's focusing on the, he's focusing on the end of the Rashba that we, that we want to encourage future donations. So he says, in a case where it was a one-off and it's, it's a private Ani who's now, who's, who got enough money and is done collecting, it won't benefit the Ani anymore, then it's just for your own personal glory you shouldn't do it. But if it's, uh, I, I, I don't fully understand the distinction he's making. He's saying for Aniyim, where, where, where it won't be a tover for the Ani, then, then, then you shouldn't do it. But if it's for a shul or for a yeshiva, then you should be mafarsim it so that many people should do the same thing. I don't know why for Aniyim you don't have the same cheshbon, that, that, that if we publicize people who donated money for Aniyim, more people who donate money to Aniyim. Not sure exactly what his distinction is. But he focuses more on the incentive value of this and says, it depends whether there's an incentive for the future or not. The Rashba didn't just say incentive. The Rashba said it's, it's simply a, a, a legitimate schar for Osei Mitzvah. It's simply something that, that they, people deserve, that people should, that it's, uh, it's, it's simply something that it's mitzcham and mitzvah to give schar to Osei Mitzvah. It doesn't sound like it's just a matter of an incentive. This is where Sternbrook suggests that, 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 that it's, a, it's a question of whether, in this particular context, it'll serve as an incentive or not. The only real justification of Sternbrook is proposing is if it'll be a, a, a real incentive for the future. If it won't, then you shouldn't do it. I saw a, another contemporary author who suggests that, that, that who assumes that the, that the difference is that the person himself shouldn't, uh, shouldn't trumpet his, his chesed and tzedakah, but the shul has an obligation, the, the, the institution, the recipients have an obligation to, uh, again, to promote more tzedakah. They, they should do it. Again, it doesn't really read in the, 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 that, it doesn't sound like that in the Rashba. In the Rashba's case, the person, the, the person was demanding the right to put his name on it, and the Rashba said he's right, and we should, we should accede to his request. The Rashba didn't say, but he's doing the wrong thing by being inspired. The Rashba said he's wrong, but we should do it anyway. The Rashba it's pretty clear that what he was doing was perfectly reasonable in light of the arguments he makes. So I'm not sure how, the, how, how, how they can say that the person himself shouldn't ask for a dedication, but the, but the, but the, the recipient should. Certainly it's not the minhag. The minhag certainly is that people who, who donate money very often do ask for dedications, whether it's you know, the building of the shul, the Sefer Torah, Svarim in the shul, uh, other, other types of things. Obviously, the custom is people people who make donations, uh, significant donations, they want and they and they receive dedications. And 
the, the Rashba seems to say that's fine. How to understand what the Ramah what the Ramah means by misfire? What exactly is misfire? Why is that wrong? Not so clear, but but clearly the minig is like the Rashba, and and, and it's pretty clear the minig is not just not just that the shul that the, that the recipient makes a dedication. It's pretty clear that the person himself is allowed to ask for the dedication, and we give it to him. And and, and the reason seems to be because the Rashba says it, it's a it's a deserving schar. It's his right if he dedicated it, he deserves to have the the dedication. It's it, it's his right to get schar for the mitzvah, and it encourages future future performance of mitzvahs. There are always cases. The, the the famous question is how long does the de- does the dedication go? There were stories about Yeshiva University, I think, who who renamed uh, renamed something you know years after an initial dedication was done. Is it lifetime? You know, what, what what if someone else pays to refurbish the building at some point? Is the initial donor still entitled to have his name on it forever? So the, the, these are interesting questions. But the, but the the broad principle is is the Chuvas Arashba, the the and codified by the Rama. That a person who dedicates something for tzedakah, he's allowed to have his name written on it, and it's appropriate to do that because it's uh, it's a legitimate tzar for the mitzvah, and it incentivizes future mitzvahs. The Taz, the Taz commenting on the Ramah, the Taz says that v'nira hatam, the reason why it's roi lasoskein, why it's appropriate to do this, is because it's a way of noting that the tzibur cannot uh, repurpose what he donated for something else by writing his name on it. It's a way of saying it's his, and he has to be consulted before we uh, repurpose it for something else. The Nikudas Akesef, the Shach, says the Taz is just making that up. That's not what the Rashba says. The Rashba's reasons are what we said earlier. The, the reasons are that the, because to give schar, and it's a minig vasikin, to give schar to Osei Mitzvah, and to promote mitzvahs, and so on. So he doesn't know why the Taz makes up a new reason, and the Nikudas Akesef seems to be correct that, the, that, that those are the reasons that the Rashba gives. He also, the Nikudas Akasif says, it seems from the Rashba that not only do you have the right to ask for a dedication initially when you make the donation, you also have the right to ask for a dedication even afterwards. Even, even, even if you already made, made the dedication, you already donated the, the property, that was the Rashba's case. He already built this, this extension to the shul, then he turned around and asked the shul for the dedication. Even that's within your rights. Even if you don't stipulate it up front, if you donate something of value for, for the shul, you have the right to turn around and say, by the way, I would like to be acknowledged, I would like my dedication to be recorded. You have the right to do that even after the fact. There's an interesting tshuva of the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek, of, uh, we've had him a couple times in the past. As we noted, there are multiple works called Tzemach Tzedek. The, the, the early one, Ramanachem Mendel Krochmal of Nicholsburg, was uh, about 400 years ago in Poland. More recently, there was, there, 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 there was one of the Chabad Rebbe's was called the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek is the Gematria, I think, Menachem, or, 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 or some, not, not, not Menachem itself, it's, it's the Gematria, it's the Gematria, some, um, some, um, some, it's the Gematria, it's the some version of the, some, <clears throat> Some, some version of Menachem, so, it's, so, 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 so there, there was a connection between Svarim called Tzemach Tzedek and, and Menachem, but uh, we're, we're, talk, we're talking here about, about the early one, the, the, the one from 400 years ago, the Polish Achron, who is a, who is a, who, 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 who a Talmud of the Bach. So he had a tshuva about, he had a tshuva about dedications as well, and yeah, the, the Menachem Mendel is the Gematria Tzemach Tzedek, apparently. So people who were named, Mendel was a, was a Yiddish-European nickname for Menachem. So Menachem Mendel is a Gematria Tzemach Tzedek, so if your name is Menachem Mendel, there, there's, a, uh, there's an urge to call your Sefer Tzemach Tzedek. So the, 
Tzavach Tzedek, Renach Mendel Krochmal, writes the file, has the following case. He says, there was a, again, it's a, it's a, the case is an interesting window onto uh, you know, Jewish communal life and folk, uh, you know, folk attitudes in Polish Jewry of 400 years ago. But he says, on the Aron Kodesh, on the, on the doors of the Aron Kodesh, they had a small paper. It had a, it had a picture of a menorah. And psukim of the of of of, of, of mizmor of Tehillim were were written between the the branches of the menorah. We still have these types of drawings and shuls today. As he makes clear later in the tshuva, this was a this was considered some kind of skula. Based on the words of the Akronim, having this thing was considered some kind of skula to avoid, to avoid piranus. It was a, it was a popular belief. Samachtadik himself is a little bit. Uh, a, maybe hints at a little bit of skepticism about the value of this. He kind of speaks about it a little bit uh, condescendingly. He calls it a, a popular belief that people believe that it's a great mitzvah to do this, that, that, that to write this. He says, he says, Cain Noggin, he says in the tshuva, I'm sorry, that he says, when he talks about this, this minog, he says, he says, all the communities do this, uh, already for a while, Based on what they found in the Achronim, that it protects from Puranus, that, that it, it forestalls punishment, and people think it's a mitzvah gedola. People consider it to be a great mitzvah. He kind of implies he doesn't think maybe it's the greatest mitzvah, but he says people think it's a great mitzvah, and they all want to participate in this mitzvah. Everyone wants to have a chalik in this mitzvah. Okay, but th- this was a popular custom to have this menorah. It was a picture of a, it was a drawing of a menorah with with certain psukim written uh, inter- interleaved between the menorah. Now there was a certain person in the shul. Who didn't think that this shul's copy of this uh, of this menorah was mahudur He didn't think it was, uh, it was it was very nice. He removed the old one, and he made a new one. The tour of the menorah was actually in gray. Was that drawn on the walls of the on the doors of the Aron Kodesh itself? And the Telem he, he wrote on, on a cloth and, and he stuck it uh, between the, the between the branches of the menorah onto the doors of the Aron. It was very beautiful. He made, a, he made a much beautifuler menorah. He did this on his own initiative without consulting the Gabayim, the Manhigi Atzibur, and the, without consulting the people in charge, the Gabayim and the officials and so on, always the recipe for trouble. He did this on his own without consulting the people in charge. And initially they didn't say anything. When, when, they, when they saw he put this up, they, they didn't say anything. Um, about two weeks later, 12 days later, he says, he then went ahead and, and signed his name on the cloth. And he signed his name on, on the clef, another clef, and he stuck it under the menorah. He said, the, the dedication or the, the artist's signature said, This is the menorah that was uh, fashioned by so-and-so, his own name. When they saw that, 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 that they did not like. The, the people in charge, they said, you don't have permission to do that, and they challenged him, and then they started an argument. They objected they, that, that uh, while they were debating this, Someone on his own came, before they reached a, a, a formal decision, someone on his own took off the cloth of the dedication, the Zemmas Menorah, and now he wants to go put it back, uh, put, put it back with uh, his dedication back up, and uh, the Tiber says, no, thank you, we'll, we'll just pay, we'll, we'll just buy, we'll, we'll pay you for whatever you spent on it, we don't want your name on it. I don't know what the issue was, I don't know why they were so adamant that his name shouldn't go up, but uh, this was the argument, he had, he had dedicated it, he wanted his name on it, and they objected, and they said, we don't want your name on it. Some of them said that at least, and we'll even pay you, we'll even buy out, uh, we'll, we'll pay you for what you did. 
and, albeit not to have your name on the menorah. So the Tanakh's analysis is as follows. He says that he says that the basic idea of having a, of, of a donor having his name on the thing he dedicated that's the Rashba. That's an established halacha that donors have the right to have their names on what they dedicate. So he says, however, our case is fundamentally different. He says there, the Tzibur agreed to the Yachid's de- donation. They, they agreed to have him expand the shul. And that, with, with that, the initial plan they rejected because of the devaluation of seats, but eventually the new plan they agreed to, they agreed to his proposal to expand the shul. They didn't want to spend, they didn't want to spend the money themselves. They were not interested in funding it on their own. So, of course, the Rashba says, once, they, once he spent the money, and they did not want to spend the money, and they agreed to accept his donation, of course he has the right to have his, to have his, uh, to have his dedication memorialized. He says, well, what right do they have to object? Well, what, what reason do they have to object? And that's the minute he says. That, that is the minute. The Rashba said it was the minute in his time. Tzemach Tzedek says it was the minute in his time. That, that, that's how we do things. That, that when, someone, when someone makes a donation... He gets to memorialize it, and whenever Yechidim donate clay kodesh, items for the shul, they write their names when it them. We put those stickers in the svarim, and so on. As Dramas says in Shulchan Aruch, that it's appropriate to do that, that's the Rashba, it's appropriate to do that in order to encourage those who do mitzvahs. However, said that, that's true in general. General donations where the shul is very happy to accept a donation, it's only fair, it's only right, the person is entitled to have his donation memorialized. In our case, he says... The donation was, was unilateral. They, 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 he, they never, they, he never asked and he never got permission to make the donation. He has no right, he says, to, to uh, displace their rights. How is it displacing their rights, he says? Because he says what he said before. This minog of having the menorah was considered a very important thing and because they believed it saved people from Puranus. They think it's a mitzvah gedola. Everyone wants to have a part in it. They all want to have a part in this great mitzvah. People, people like to donate. It was a privilege, apparently, to donate toward this thing. And therefore, he has no right to do it unilaterally on his own. They have the right to say that, that, we, that we, we want to do it. And therefore, his entire donation here, it was unilateral. It was something where there was no reason to believe that the Tiber would accept it. The Tiber would very much like to have a part of this on their own. And therefore, he says, therefore, he says, that, certainly if they're willing to buy him out, they're saying, you know, we, we, no, no one gave you the right to, to dedicate this. You, 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 didn't go through, you didn't go through proper channels. We want the right uh, to dedicate it out of our own, even though no one had done anything about it for a long time. They had the old menorah for a long time. Okay, had you brought this up, we, 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 we would have done it, and, and therefore we wanted to do it, and therefore he has no right to make the dedication unilaterally, and therefore the Tiber can object. So the Tzemach is agreeing to the basic principle that donors have the right to dedicate their donations, to memorialize their donations. He's just saying... That's only if you coordinate with the institution. If, they, if, if the institution is happy to accept your donation, then it's your right to, to have it uh, memorialized. But you can't unilaterally dedicate things and then demand to have your name on it. They can say, no, we, we don't want your donation. We want, we want to finance it ourselves. That's their right. So it's, it's certainly the right of the donor, once his donation is accepted, to have it memorialized. It's not his right, though, to foist unilateral donations on the institution, which I think makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's kind of an intuitive and reasonable conclusion. Then he has another objection, a totally different objection to, to putting his dedication on the Arun Kodesh, nothing to do with Hilchus Tzedakah. He has an entirely different objection. the shaper dummy limchos kodesh. They definitely have the right to object to him putting his name on the Arun Kodesh. 
It's something unusual, unlike today, where it's, I think, quite common for donors to put their names on the parochas. I think, that, I think it's pretty common that they say, Nidvas, Mishpacha, so-and-so, Le'ilu'i Nishmas, our father and husband and whatever. Today it's pretty common, parochas of the, 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 the covering of the Bima and the Sifri Torah and the parochas of the Aaron. Today I think it's quite common. But back then it was not common, apparently. In the, around the turn of the, turn of the 17th century, this was considered a novel and a uh, very unusual thing. And people would stare at it and be distracted by it. As we'll discuss in more detail soon, Poskim were very, very concerned that there should not be distractions in shul. There should not be anything that would distract people from the davening. So today, I don't think most people would think that a dedication on the parochus is distracting. We just tune it out. We don't pay attention to begin with. We tune it out. We're used to it. That's today. Back then, it was very unusual to have dedications apparently written on the furniture of the shul, the furnishings of the shul. And therefore, it's distracting and it's not appropriate during fila. Furthermore, he adds, When do we open the Aron Kodesh for parts of davening that require great kavana? Why do we open the Aron Kodesh? So first he gives a kind of uh, rationalistic reason because it helps focus the Kavana. When we open the Aron Kodesh, everyone is stimulated to say it's a really important part of davening, let's focus. Also he says, spiritually, it inherently helps the Tefillah as well to open the Aron Kodesh. And dafka to distract people when they uh, when they open the aron, that will distract them from davening. I'm not exactly sure what this what this parochus thing looked like. I mean, uh, the way our parochus is usually designed, it's not more visible when you open it. On the contrary, it's less visible. It gets bunched off and shuffled off to the side. Um, he seems to fail that when they open the aron kodesh, maybe maybe they had doors outside the parochus, and then the uh, uh, he say, he he said that it was on the doors. This thing. So I'm not sure why he feels that when you open the doors. That's dafka when uh, people will start staring at this dedication. Not sure how that worked, but he, that's what he seems to be saying. So therefore, he says it's inappropriate to put uh, unusual dedications that will stand out and be distracting on the Aron Kodesh because it will distract from fila, and that's not that that's not good. Similarly, he says the Rambam wrote in a tshuva that you shouldn't pray facing garments that are that that, that, that have designs or things on them that, that are hanging on the wall. Because you shouldn't start, uh, you shouldn't be uh, gazing and staring at the pictures, which will distract you from the davening, and you won't have kavana. That's brought in Shulchan Aruch. Similarly, he brings a Ramah that you should not draw pictures in the svarim that you daven from, the machzorim and the sedurim. This is something we discussed in a uh, in one of our parsha shiurim in the medieval period. Medieval, one of the things the medieval period was famous for were for its beautiful illuminated manuscripts. In the medieval period, even though we think of uh, we, 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 we think even of the, the Jewish books, some of the very beautiful Jewish manuscripts that were produced then, a number of the Rishonim of Ashkenaz, uh, pretty much a consensus, so there, there was a large group of Rishonim and Ashkenaz who were quite upset about, who were quite unhappy with these books. They felt it's inappropriate. It's not a question of Avodazar, they said. In Ikra, it's not an issue of, of images of the of the of the Isra against images, but what it is, it's just, just distracting. You're trying to daven, and you're seeing all kinds of pictures, and you're mafzarim. You're gonna you're gonna take away from the tefillah. You're gonna start uh, you're gonna start musing about the pictures. They said, so they so so, so, so they, they didn't think this was appropriate. We do find they produce mafzarim. So the and it's, the, the the practice seems to have been pretty widespread. But Tosus and the Mordechai, a number of the prominent German Rishonim, 
we're upset, we're, we're, we're unhappy with this practice. So that's what the, the Tzemach Tzedek is following, that view that, that in general we find these concerns of the Rishonim. You shouldn't do things in shuls or in places where you daven that will cause distractions from prayer. And here too, he said, writing the, writing the dedication of the donor on the, on the Aron Kodesh, that is distracting and you should not do that. Even though he says today, the Minog is, the Minog is in some places that they do have pictures on the walls of the basic Nessus. Like we have stained glass windows, for example, in our shul. People have symbols for the Shvatim, biblical stories, the Yom Tovim, and whatnot. People, even though the Minog, already in his time, he says, hundreds of years ago, that the Minog was, they had these pictures on the walls of the shuls. I think there are these mosaics they have from you know, thousands of years ago. They have old shuls they found that have uh, tiled mosaics of pictures on the floor, even. So it, it has been the custom, there have been Jewish customs to have pictures in shuls. And he says, uh, and, they have, and they have people sign, people have, people have their names under, these, uh, under, under some of these things, the piyutim and the mizmorim, that they write on the walls. There, there, are, there, there is writing and drawing on these, on these walls. Now, people are not worried about Hesachadas, so why is that okay? First of all, he says, it's not okay. He says, first of all, I don't think that should be done either, he says. That's also an undesirable practice. You, you shouldn't have distracting things in shul. Shul's for davening. Shul's not for uh, anything else. It, 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 it should, there shouldn't be anything in the shul that distracts you from prayer. However, he says, that at least we can be melamed. That we can justify, because since, since that is the minog, he says, we can justify the minog. They weren't worried about Hesachadas, he says, because people see these things right away when they come into the shul. They get used to them. They, they see it before davening. They walk in. They see the pictures. They get accustomed to them. And after a few minutes, you stop, uh, you, you, stop, you, stop you, you get used to them. You tune them out. And therefore, B'Shas Tfila, you, you already had your chance. You got used to it, he says, that, the, that, that it's not such a problem with people. People, people tune it out and don't get distracted B'Shas Tfila. Similarly, he says, that goes for the, the, the picture of the menorah itself. The, the, before the guy's dedication, they had the picture of the menorah on the Aaron. Why isn't that distracting? They used to that, he says. Everyone writes Turas and Menorah all over the walls, and in the beginning of Sidurim we have these menorahs. People see them before davening. People see them. They, they get accustomed to them. They, 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 uh, so that it's not distracting. During davening, they, 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 they saw it already. It's done. However, he says, when... when uh, when, 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 when the person signs his name and signs his, his dedication under the picture of the menorah, that is Dabr Chadash, that's something new. He says, Lo Paschuel Abishasfila. Again, somehow the, the Metzius was that they didn't see that before the davening. It's something new when they opened the Aaron. It, it, it's not visible when the Aaron Kodesh is in its normal closed state. It was only visible when they opened the Aaron. You would see the dedication. Then people would suddenly notice it, and it wasn't commonly done. They would start staring at it and be distracted from davening. You can't have anything in shul that'll be distracting, and, and this dedication, again, everything in context, I don't think the dedication on our parochas is a problem. First of all, you have the other point he makes, it's already there from before davening also, so you already see it, and, and it's no longer distracting, and, and anyway, the, we're just used to dedications, we don't find them so distracting. The mature of the menorah itself is okay, but not the dedication. So these are his two objections to this person's insistence that, that, the, that he get the menorah dedication. First of all, since your donation was unilateral, other people might have wanted to share in it. You have no right to, uh, to preemptively, unilaterally make the dedication and claim it for yourself. Second, he says, you shouldn't have any dedication in this particular context in the shul because it's distracting. This second concern is not really a concern today. The first one is also not a concern to the extent that uh, nobody's rushing to make the dedication and the shul finds someone who will willing to donate it. That's more like the Rashbra. So certainly the dedications we have 
would not fall afoul, I, I don't think, of this tshuva the Tzedek, but it's an interesting tshuva nevertheless. In particular, his concern that we not do things in shuls that are distracting. So we already mentioned, he, he says, that, that the, this, is rooted in the, this is rooted in the medieval objection to the illustrated manuscripts for Sidurim. And it's also the subject of a very long and very vehement tshuva of the Radvaz. Rabbi David ibn Zimra, one of the great Svardic Egyptian poskim of the 16th century, he has the following story. Maisahaya Bekandia, there was a story that occurred in the kingdom of Candia in the 16th century. The, 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 the kingdom of Candia was the name of Crete at that time. It was an overseas colony of the Republic of Venice until it fell during the Cretan War in the 17th century, apparently. That's what Wikipedia tells us. So there, and they had a Jewish community there. And Ruvain made some substantial, a man named Ruvain, a pseudonym, but uh, presumably, but a man named Ruvain made some substantial, substantial um, refurbishment to the, to the shul. He plastered it and cleaned it, and he, tikinosa yafe yafe, he did a very beautiful job in, 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 his, uh, in his work on the shul. And now he wanted to put up Algova Hechel on the, the wall of the, the height of the Hechel, the Arn Kodesh. He wanted to put his name, Shmo, Bishem Avosev, and his ancestors' names, and and not only that, he says, but not only did he want to put his names, this fellow in his arrogance, Shagava Libo, Lahashchis, he wanted to do something really inappropriate. Above the Hechel, he wanted to put his family's coat of arms. Simon Degel Mishpachto, he had a coat of arms. Hanikra Arma, Aleph Reish Mem Aleph, his coat of arms, Belaz. It is Turas Aryeh, his family's coat of arms was an image of a lion, the Keser Barosho, a crowned lion. He wanted to put his name and his, fa- his ancestors' names and his family coat of arms, the, the, the crowned lion, on top of the Arn Kodesh. And he wanted to make it actually a three-dimensional, a relief over there. And he did this, and he wanted to make uh, this whole thing, and he designed it, and he uh, wanted to put it up on top of the Hechel, where everyone bows down to the front of the, of the shul. And he wrote, Ploni ben Ploni Hagon. His father was a Tamil Chacham, apparently, so he wanted to write his name, Ploni ben Ploni Hagon. The Kehila, when they heard this, they were very upset. They said, absolutely not. There's no way we're letting you do this. But Ruvain was a powerful fellow and had, uh, had, connections, to the, had, had connections in high places. Karav Lamalchus, he wouldn't listen to them. They had to spend a lot of money to, uh, on legal fees or bribes, whatever they used to do to foil his plan. And now they wanted to know who's right in this controversy. Is, is he right to have his, his very glorified dedication? Or are they right in objecting to it? Radvaz says they are absolutely right, that they that they're, they're revatil, this terrible thing of sticking a lion on top of the Arn Kodesh, it's a shemes of Odezara. He goes on and on, Unl- we're not going to go through most of his tshuva, it's not our topic, but unlike the Tzemach Tzedek, unlike the Rishonim who said that the pictures in the Machzorim are basically okay, it's, it's just uh, distracting, he felt that there are issues, there are issues of Odezara here, to have images of animals, of lions, and the shul. He goes through in great detail, pages and pages of all kinds of arguments, for why this is inappropriate to have a lion in a shul. Uh, incidentally, in the, in the court, we're not going to get into that part of the tshuva, but in the course of the tshuva, he even takes issue, uh, he takes issue on everything this guy did, including the fact that he wanted to write Plony ben Plony Hagon. He says, you know, I don't want to start up with, uh, with the deceased, I want, to, I want to have respect for the mason, he says, but, but Derek Klal, I want to tell you, without commenting on whether his father was a gon or not, I want to tell you, he says, that our custom is, we reserve the term gon, for the period of scholars, of Torah scholars who lived after the Sabaraic period, before the Rif, 
That's the period that we formally call Gaonim, people like Rav Haigon, or Shiragon, or Asadigon, or Shul Ben Hafnigon, Rav Yehudaigon. Those are the ones who are called Gaonim. We don't use Gaon for Talmud Chachamim of the 14th or 15th century. So that's not a Gaon. Some say, he heard that some say that Gaon was reserved for someone who knew Shita Sidri, Alpeg, Gemara, Mishnayis. He knew all of Shas, Mishnah, and Gemara by heart. So he says, really, the title Gaon should not be used for, for people in our generation. Avalmanas, he says, what can I do? We have title inflation. This is a good topic for, uh, for, for another uh, share about uh, the, what different posts said about title inflation. Okay, the minute gets to do it, he says, so, all right, I can grudgingly accept it. But Klaal de Milsa, he summarizes, he says, this is a terrible thing. To put this lion in the shul is a terrible thing. And, uh, and pr- largely and primarily focuses on the Avodah that you shouldn't have pictures of things in shuls because of the, the, the issue of Avodah He also mentions the idea that it's distracting, that people, he says, they look at the Tzura and they don't have Kavana. Even though he said that the Machzedek mentions that things that are the Minog you can justify, they see it before they start davening, they get used to it, not so distracting. Having lions on the parochas today is actually uh, pretty common. But even Mayor Chayuziel actually has a chuva about it, where he actually says that for Sfardim it was not the Minog and they shouldn't do it. The Jews in Islamic countries didn't do images as much, I guess. But the, actually having pictures on the Rakosh is controversial. The Radvaz, uh, as a Sfardi, actually was very skeptical toward it for a variety of reasons. But uh, putting it on top of the Hechel, on top of the Torah, putting a lion, your family's coat of arms, above the Torah, above the Hechel, he says, it looks like you're bowing down to it. It's also not a good thing. Many, many reasons why it's a terrible thing, he says. And we should, we should definitely make him, uh, we should definitely, using the power of the Hechel, make him stop for all these reasons. You should not do this. I'll call upon him the basic holding of the Rashba that a person who makes a dedication with the dedication was uh, eagerly accepted, with, with nobody else wanted to fund the same thing. The fact that he has the right to his dedication is a halacha psuka. The Rashba rules this way. We pass him this way in Shulchan Aruch. The Ramad does say that a person shouldn't be mispire, a person shouldn't glorify himself in his tzedakah. Exactly how to recon- reconcile that with the Rashba is not entirely clear. But the basic idea of getting a dedication of dedicating and memorializing what you did is a halacha psuka. It's a, it's a, it's a tshuva the rashba. It's brought in the rama. It is certainly the minhag today. It was the minhag in the time of the Tamach tzedek. It was the minhag in the time of the rashba. It is an old Jewish practice, and the, and this practice is is is, is formally is is, is given formal concrete uh, form by the rashba, and it's codified by the rama, and it remains the minhag ad hayom azeh.